Thank you for listening to this podcast episode from Second Stage Ministries. To find out more on Second Stage Ministries, please go to secondstageministries.com or find us on Facebook. And now to this week's episode. Well, welcome to this brand new episode of a series that we're calling The Dawn. This is entitled The Dawn of the First Murder. So if you kind of know the Bible a little bit, you know we're going in order through Genesis here. So we're up to Genesis 4. And up until this time, murder hadn't happened yet. So we're kind of going to dive into the story and look and kind of see what God has to say, what I learned, what God's taught me over time of spending time in this particular portion of the Bible. But if you hear or like or something's helped you in this episode, please share it with your family and your friends. And so they can be blessed and kind of see and learn some things as well about the Bible that may that they may not have known. So, as I said, we are into Genesis 4, and one of the first things that pops out at me real quick, right off the first verse, is that there was um, praise out of the punishment, right? Right at the end of chapter 3, we see God hand out punishments for their disobedience from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and one of the punishments for Eve was pain and childbearing, but we open up this very first verse in this chapter and it says that Eve gave birth to Cain she said with the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man and so she did that has some praise element with the help of the Lord I've brought forth this man I'm excited for this she wasn't like excited because it didn't hurt because it obviously did because we had just saw that punishment in place so We have to assume that was in effect, right? So we see this and we kind of, she's excited to have brought forth Cain. And I'm sure Abel was just the same way. But even though this was a punishment, great blessing came out of it. And she was still aware of this blessing that God had given her to be able to have a son. Then we get into a little bit about Cain and Abel. Right, this particular um, little bit about them, like seriously, it's just one verse. It gives us two um, pretty much work types that they have, and with that work type, you can kind of put together an image of what they must have kind of looked like, their build, and whatnot. It says that Abel worked the flocks, kept the flocks, right, and so. In that, in that we see that he was probably a shepherd. And we can understand that being a shepherd, you know, meant that he may not have been as, as rugged and strong or whatever as his brother who worked the fields and stuff like that. And we'll get to that in just a second. But he, he, he wasn't maybe that well, but you know he had to have some kind of build to him. Because as we see later on in the Bible, uh, David you know, had to fend off bears and lions and probably thieves and other people. And this wasn't just, you know, sitting on a rock hoping the sheep didn't wander off. You maybe even had to kind of help sheep up who had fallen down, maybe just pick them up to get them going. So you had to have some strength to you to be able to uh, protect these sheep and get them what they needed. Cain, on the other hand, he was a rugged 
man, he worked the fields. So he was out probably helping Adam plant and gather the food and maybe even chop down some trees or something for wood, you know, digging up the holes to plant the seeds and all of that and working with the plowing equipment that they might have had. And so he probably just had this rugged exterior to him, just rough skin and all of that from working. And he probably was um, outdoors a lot. Abel maybe kind of stayed in some. I don't know. but but, So you kind of get this two. They weren't different, but they had some different characteristics about them. They enjoyed different things. But then it came time for the fight to start. Right? And it happens over something getting liked more than something else. Right? Maybe you... Maybe you've had a sibling before and you've brought, you've made a picture for your mom, right? And then you guys give them to her at the same time and maybe she shows like a slight um, more excitement for your brother's picture and it makes you mad, right? That's kind of what happens here. You see, in the course of time, in verse 3 and 4, it kind of sets this up. But the time came for offerings to be brought. And it says, In the course of time, Cain brought some fruit from the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So it was almost kind of like Cain just like, oh, here you go. Really no heart to it. Really kind of like, oh, if I have to, I have to. Here, here's a dime. Here's a little bit of what I have. There you go, God. Thanks. But as we know later on in the Bible, in the New Testament, where where Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. So that says to me, in some cases, he doesn't care what you bring, as long as you bring it with your whole heart, and it's what you want to bring, and you're into it, right? It shows that Abel brought fat portions of of his flock, of the firstborn, which means he brought, first of all, the first... And But he also brought from his flock, which means there was some personal level to it. If he was watching these sheep or these, these cattle, he probably was attached to them. But in order to bring that offering, he had to sacrifice them. And in sacrificing them, there was that connection there. There was that personal, that, that personal feeling to them. And so there was some heart behind it. Because as we saw, you know sacrifice to come to bring something to the Lord there should be a sacrifice Adam and Eve had to have something sacrificed for God to make animal skins for them at the end of Genesis 3 where we see God cover them but something had to be sacrificed he had to get the animal skins from somewhere and so the fact that God accepted Abel's offering over Cain's made Cain very angry. And God warned Cain. We see God's warning in verse uh, 5 of chapter 4. I'm sorry, we see the warning. It says, sin is crouching at your door. He's pretty much saying, hey, I know those emotions that you're feeling and you better get them in check or you're going to do something, say something. You're going to act out in a way that is not going to be helpful to you or the situation. And I've heard that lots of times from employers and parents and friends. It's just kind of like, hey, cool out. 
that's what God's kind of warning Cain here, but he's also warns us, you know, hey, careful, since crouching at your door, if you act a certain way or you act out of your anger, since crouching, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, I hope that none of us would run off and just kill somebody, but the thing is, is that anything happen. You could say something that you didn't mean and really hurt somebody. You could actually wind up um, just making a situation worse. And that's what uh, Cain did, as we see in Genesis 4, 5 through 8. It says that he, he didn't get his emotions in check. He took his brother out to the field and he killed him. And then God comes along. Much like he did with Adam and Eve after they had done what they did, after they had disobeyed him, after they kind of let their emotions kind of take over them. And he has a very similar conversation with Cain. Then the Lord said to Cain, and this is Genesis 4, 9 through 10. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I his keeper? Then the Lord said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. So you see, God opens the conversation in the same way he did with Adam and Eve. He asked Adam, where are you? He asked Cain, where's your brother? He asked Eve, what have you done? And he asked Cain, what have you done? God then made Cain a fugitive and he put a mark on his head so that nobody could harm him. Or they would be punished even more severely. And you can read all about all of that in Genesis 4, even where I paraphrased. But the story tells me a few things. The story tells me three things. One, we all try and hide sin. We all try and act like the wrong choices that we make or the, the decisions that we make that may not be helpful. We try and act like they're not there. And we always just kind of, we try and hide them like Eve, like Adam and Eve, like Cain. In both stories, they try and hide it. But God knew about it. God already knew. He didn't ask them because he didn't know. He didn't ask them because he was clueless and looked away for a second and then something got broke and you ask who did it and nobody did it. Right? God already knew. He wasn't asking because he was oblivious or caught off guard. He was asking because he wanted them to confess it. And that's number two. Is God wants us to confess these things. He didn't ask, what have you done? Because, like I said, he didn't know. He wants us to confess it. He wants us to own our mistakes. He wants us to own our mess-ups. And it doesn't mean that he's going to change the way he feels about us. Because we already know that he came to Adam and Eve's rescue, even though they had just did what he said not to do. But he still came to their rescue. He gave them punishment but he gave them protection and he gave them, he showed them compassion and love. But also, the Bible tells us that he is, that, that pretty much he's faithful to forgive us. He's not asking for perfection. And there's something about this, this, this vast idea that when someone meets Jesus, that they all of a sudden become absolutely perfect. 
He's not asking us to become perfect. He's asking us to own what we do. So, but we also, we all get envious. Abel received a blessing from God that made Cain envious. I mean, that made Cain envious. The envy swelled up inside of him and he ended up murdering his brother. There's another story in the Bible that works the same way. And we're kind of going to step out of Genesis for just a second. But in, in the Gospel of Luke, we see the story of the prodigal son. And the story pretty much unfolds to where the younger brother of two brothers pretty much wants his inheritance and he goes and he takes it away and he spends it all, the Bible says, on wild living and craziness. And he winds up spending it all and he winds up burning through it and he winds up being poor and helpless and working what he can and eating the the pig's food pretty much. But then he decides to make up and go home to his father and admit that he was sorry for what he had did. And when he gets back there, his his father runs to him and greets him and gives him a big hug and gives him his coat and throws him this big party. But the older brother gets envious. The older brother is like, I'm not going to that party because he left you. I've been here all this time. I've been here working and slaving while he's off, throwing all his money away. And then he comes back and you throw him a party? What's up with that? And that's kind of what Cain was doing. It's like, you, you like his better than mine? And he gets envious. And he winds up killing him. And his brother doesn't even go to the party. We get envious. We can miss what God has given us. Or what he's trying to give us. God doesn't want us to be. God doesn't want us to be that way toward people. He wants us to be blessed. And he's got enough blessing to go around. You don't think that Cain. Would have got some blessing. From God. He just didn't get that one. So he wound up acting out in a way that he wound up getting no blessing at all. He wound up being a fugitive where he had to live out his life as pretty much kind of as punishment because nobody could harm him. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be on the other side of more severely than if I killed Cain. I wouldn't want to test God to find out what more severely meant. But he put a hedge of protection over... He still protected and cared for Abel, I mean Cain, even after what he had done. God's trying to bless us. His supply is infinite. So, try to focus on what God has given you, and that will help you know that you're blessed. And then you won't miss out on future blessings that God sends your way. Because you'll see what you have. You'll see that you're blessed. You'll see that you're blessed beyond anything that you could ever be. That you don't need to be envious of other people. And you don't need to be wondering what it would be like if you just had that or you just had this. God's got you right where you are. God's got you right where you need to be. God's got your blessings in line ready for you to just get to them. That next step. That next change. 
that next breakthrough is right around the corner. The blessings that God has is right there. But we sometimes can stop and kind of be like the Israelites who are just kind of like, but I want to go back there. That's where we were blessed. How are we going to be blessed this way? This is sand in the desert. God has blessings for us far more than we could ever imagine. And he wants to give them to us. But sometimes we have to look for them and we have to be happy with where we are. Thank you again for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that it blessed your day. Once again, to find out more information, please visit secondstageministries.com or find us on Facebook. Also, share this with your family and friends. Thanks again.